Good morning, everyone. You know, um, you know, the success of the Christian life is embedded in the very things that most Christians don't want to do. The success of a Christian life is embedded in the very things that most Christians don't want to do. And the success of a religious life is embedded in the things that most Christians will do. I want you to think about that. If you want to be a successful Christian, you should consider and make up your mind that to be a successful Christian is to actually do those very things that I don't really want to do. And if you want to be religious, then religiousness is doing those things that are quite comfortable for you to do. It's easy to light candles. It's easy to um, do certain rituals. But to follow Jesus Christ and to deny yourself is the very essence of doing those things that you don't really want to do. Nobody wants to deny themselves. Nobody really wants to uh, put others above themselves. By nature, we want ourselves to be acknowledged and we want to be respected and we want to be esteemed. And that's not the Christian life. That's not the Christian life. The Christian life is embedded as I no longer live, but now Christ now lives in me. I must decrease that he may increase. This is Christian living. This is Christian life. So I'm going to talk to you about Paul. Paul, the, the, the apostle, the one who wrote most of the New Testament. I want to share with you fragments of his life. I want to talk to you about his spirit, his, his teaching. And then God willing, maybe the Lord will speak to you according to the portion of food that you need to eat. And if you come believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, that he brought you here and he sat you in your chair for no other reason than to speak to you personally. God doesn't look at how many people you have in your church. He looks at the soul that's sitting down that he brought that his spirit will minister to and speak to because God is an individual God. He will speak to you individually. You can't sit there and say, oh, well, that would have been a really good message if someone, you know, he came or my husband was there or, you know, if my wife heard this, you know, really good. It's not like that with God. God didn't bring you here so that you can listen to a message and go home and take, take it to your wife. God brought you here because he has something specific to say to you as an individual, as a person, as someone with a living soul. And God looks after that soul. He nourishes that soul. He makes sure that that soul is going to be presented before the throne of gra- grace, pure, blameless, spotless, without any wrinkle. That's, that's, that's the objective of the Holy Spirit in your life. And that's your zeal and your zealousness to make sure that's what happens. You need to follow the leading, the calling of the Holy Spirit and submit to the Holy Spirit and let God take you where you need to be. That's why I said earlier that if, if you deny those things, you're not going to be successful as a Christian. You'll always be up and down as a Christian. You'll wonder, why is my Christian life not fervent, not zealous? Why is it always tripping and falling? And I know what the truth is, but I always find myself tripping and falling. Well, the reason is, is because you haven't understood that the fact that you decided to follow Jesus, you decided that you no longer live. And when you trip and fall, it's always a result of you still living. So if you settle this and you clean that up and you fix that up, I I tell you, every single person in this room should be or would be in their own ministry, serving and doing what the Lord wants them to do and not relying on the pastor or the preacher or assuming that he's the one that does what he ha- God wants him to do. No, it's not like that. We're all going to be judged equally and we're all going to be judged according to what the will of the Lord was for our life. So I'll be judged according to that. I've, uh, you know, I needed to make sure I teach sound doctrine, truth. You know, And you'll be judged on based on whatever ministry you have. You know, you're a husband. Well, then how... 
did you serve faithfully as a husband? Are you a wife? How did you serve faithfully according to my word as a wife? Are you a child? How did you serve your parents? Did you obey them as a child? Each and every one of us is an individual soul that stands before God. He's not going to say to my son, well, you know, uh, the reason why you are the way you are is because your father was like, no. He's going to be standing before God and God said, the reason why you are the way you are is because there was sin in your own heart that you needed to deal with and you refused to listen to the Holy Spirit. And that's, we're all like that. Otherwise, we become like a church that's religious, meaning that oh, I'm, I'm going to heaven and I'm, because I come under a cloak or a banner or a denomination. Like I'm, you know, I, I was born a Catholic and I'll die a Catholic. You know, or, or unless you're an Orthodox, you're going to be you're a Christian. It's not like that before God. God doesn't care for titles and denominations. What do you think most of Jesus' ministry was attacking the religious leaders, the Pharisees, the Sadducees? Because they were all divided. The Sadducees were here and the Pharisees were there. And Jesus says, I've got nothing to do with this. You're all gone astray. But he cares for the one that's gone astray, the one, the little lamb that had, had somehow lost its way, which is every single one of us. And he left the religious institutions and he left the churches and he left all the Christians and he left the pastor and the preacher and the teacher, Harb and Barry and everyone else. He left them all and he went after that little one that had gone astray. Because in that little one, there's a living soul that needed to come to the power of the master. That little one didn't have any idea. Like, I don't know which way to go. I don't, even, do I go to, I go, I don't know. I've got no idea. And as long as you stay little, listen, as long as you stay humble, and as long as you stay weak before the power of God, you keep your soul safe. But once you puff yourself up, and all of a sudden, oh, I've got my way worked out. I know which way to go. I don't need anyone to tell me where to go. Well, you stop being a lost little sheep. You start becoming a religious person who knows just how to save themselves. And this is why Paul, Paul says this, I am not ashamed in Romans chapter 1 verse 16. I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jews first and also to the Greek. I'm not ashamed of this. How can I be ashamed of the very thing that saved me? doesn't make sense. When I was growing up in our community, Strangely enough, like when someone was diagnosed with cancer, I don't know why or for whatever reason, it was like, what? They've got cancer. We don't talk about it. What do you mean? It's like hush. It's like almost like the person's got cancer, but it's like a shame. It's like some shameful thing that just come upon that person. I don't know if that's like with your culture, you know, but with us it was like, it's like a, like a disease that you can't talk about. Like as though someone did something to themselves that was shameful and we don't talk about that. And some people like, think, wait, wait a minute, hang on. What are, you, what are you ashamed of? That you got cancer? That, that this thing that you decided to bring upon yourself? Or is this something that just came upon you and you're, you're ashamed of it? Well, I don't know. I mean, if we treated our sin like that, if we were ashamed of our sin because it's something I did and I, I shouldn't have done and I'm ashamed of that, but ironically, you're, you're ashamed of something that you didn't do. In fact, Paul is saying, I'm not ashamed of, of the cure, the cure. The actual thing that's going to heal me, that's going to fix me up. And we get ashamed over things that are, that are 
insignificant. And Paul's saying, oh, I'm not ashamed of this. It's like Christians when you're in your office and all of a sudden someone says, are you a Christian? And you go, yeah, yeah. What are you ashamed of? What, like, that you're a Christian? We get ashamed of things that are kind of, I have the medicine that cures your soul. It's right here. And we're looking at it and going, ooh, just leave it alone. Don't, don't, don't tell anyone we've got it because it's embarrassing. And Paul's saying, I'm not ashamed of that. I'm not ashamed of the power of God. If someone wants to tell me how to be cured, I'm not going to say, here, just don't tell anyone. It's the power of God unto salvation. It's the power of God unto salvation. When you're living a life that's quite, you know, timid and shy about your faith, there's something not right about your faith because you're not taking a hold of God's word in its power and applying it to your own heart, let alone basically telling everyone that you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. The person who applies the power of God, the gospel, in their own life is not ashamed of the gospel. I'll tell you why. Because they were delivered from their cancer. If anyone, anyone that was delivered from cancer, you ask them, how did you get cancer free? They're not going to say, oh, I can't tell you, that's a bit embarrassing. They're going to go out and tell every single person who's got cancer, listen, this is what I did. This is what you've got to do. This is how you do it. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know the thing with Paul, and I was sharing with the men, he's an extraordinary man, and most of us don't really look into his life intently enough to see what kind of person he really was. Paul was a murderer. You understand? He didn't kill Christians, he slaughtered them. You understand? His, his, his hands were bloody. That was Paul. He was the pioneer of the persecuted church at that time. He was the one that was propagating and, and initiating every extreme way to slaughter these Christians, to get rid of them. That's what, that was Paul, who God, out of his wisdom, decided to say, oh, you know what, I'm going to use him. That's, that's a pretty interesting thing for God to say, I'm going to use Paul, because he would probably be the most unlikely person you would use. I'd look for someone who's more holy. Someone who's more righteous, someone who everyone look, would look at and say, yeah, yeah, that one, he looks holy enough to believe or to trust or to, you know, he looks like someone who, who knows God's word. God didn't do that. God chose a murderer of the very people he loves. You, you understand? God chose the one who was slaughtering and killing his saints. And everyone points their finger like we do in churches. You might as well point your finger at God. That's disgusting. Really, God would do that? Now think about this, right? He ends up getting converted. There's Barnabas who goes and seeks him out and presents him before the church to confirm for the church that he is a changed man. And the church look, look at him. I imagine, like, he walks in and the, who, him? Like, him? Is he? And people don't realize the challenge was for the church. Not just fear, but listen, bitterness and anger. Why? Because he would have come to the front, he would have sat down next to someone, and the person who possibly he sat next to could have been the mother of the daughter he had 
taken out of that house and separated from the family and slaughtered the husband. And here now in the church of God, she's sitting with him. And everybody's going, wow, how awesome. We've got Paul, Paul. And she's there in her heart. She's thinking, he killed my husband. He divided my family. And, and, and you, all, you all are happy? And then we start to understand what's going on here in this Christian church, in this Christian family. What, what's meant to happen? And we understand something quite powerful, something that's saving grace. That this woman who sits next to him is unlike all the other people who are so wrapped that they've got a hero in their church. Well, you understand, like it's like a famous popular man who's now come in and everyone's boasting how good he is. But this woman here is the one really God is ministering to, that one. Because everyone else is taking Paul upon their own pride. We've got, we've got Paul. But she's thinking, I've got to love him. I've got to, I've got to really love him. And here is where the church of God is. This is where the word of God is. Then the pastor, the preacher, the minister, whoever read the letters would stand up and say, you've got to love him. You've got to love, and God speaks to her. How, how, how do you want me to, how, do, how in the world do you want, do you know what it's like to have my family ripped apart? She could have easily gone around the whole church and told everyone else, hey, you really going to love him? You really? And she could have started a whole division. She could have started a whole discord among the brethren in the church and the family of God of all love. Or she could have let the Spirit of God work in her life, transform her life in such a way to experience the power of God. And when she realizes that what really it's all about is that God is taking out anything that is unrighteous, unholy, unclean in her, perfecting her, purifying her, making her far stronger than she's ever been. And who doesn't want that? This is the power. I'm not ashamed of that. I'm not ashamed that I have to forgive the person who abused me. I'm not ashamed that I have to forgive the, the one who, who completely destroyed me. Because who can do that? Who can do that? You tell me who can do that in this world. The world can't do it. That's the world they're always destroying each other. But Paul says, hey, I'm not ashamed of the power that does that in me. Why would I be ashamed of that? When someone says, are you a Christian? Of course I'm a Christian. Well, you're a Christian. Oh, you're a Christian. What are you going to be a Christian for? Because being a Christian saves my soul. I'm not talking about salvation going to heaven. Being a Christian protects me from harm, from danger. If I wasn't a Christian and someone slapped me in the face, I'll punch back, I could kill the guy, I'll end up in jail. But thank God I'm a Christian. When someone slaps me in the face, I turn the cheek and I save myself. Who can do that? Who can do that? Someone sw- My wife wants to, wants to smash me, slap me, tell me to get out of the house, and I say, I love you, honey, I love you. And she spits it, I love you, honey. She spits it, I love you, honey. And then she, once she spits and she gets into my eyes and she sees it for the first time. There's that thing in my eyes and she goes, what am I doing? What am I doing? And then she breaks down and she goes, forgive me. Because I turned the other cheek, I turned the other cheek. And so I saved my marriage. I did what Jesus wanted me to do. He says, turn the other cheek. Do Love, love, love. And I saved my marriage. That's not what happened. I'm just illustrating, all right? <laughs> Sorry, Beck. My wife's never spat in my face, just so. Because <laughs> I heard my wife in the car saying, did you confirm, did you clarify that? that <laughs> no, no. 
but that saved your marriage. The principles of Jesus Christ, the gospel that Paul preaches, which he's not ashamed of, saved my marriage. But if I had done what everybody else wanted me to do, leave him, leave her, do whatever you want. You're a free man. Well, you end up scarring yourself. You end up destroying your, your family, your children. You end up doing what you thought was right at the cost of your own bruised soul. And Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is my salvation. <laughs> it is my salvation. In fact, Paul, if you listen carefully, I mean, if you're going to listen to someone, I'd listen to a murderer. I'd listen to someone who hated Christianity and ask them, what happened, man? And then he goes, you know when the world wants to get, a, get rid of extremists? Poor Paul, it wouldn't matter which way he went, he'd get shot. Because he was an extremist, anti-God. And then when he became for God, he became the opposite end of extreme. There's no place in, for Paul in this world. Either way, he's gone. When he became a Christian, he was an extremist. It, not an extremist like uh, how the world or the media uh, present extremists. It always connected to some terrorism or some violence. Paul was an extremist regarding sanctification holiness and a complete submission to the truth of Jesus Christ. And that truth of Jesus Christ doesn't hurt people or becomes violent. It actually saves people. If we're going to be extreme about something, be extreme about loving others more than your own self. That's what Paul was. If you're going to be extreme, be extreme about denying every carnal desire and let the rule and reign of Jesus Christ rule in you. Be extreme about that. And unfortunately, that's who is going to get persecuted in the latter days. Those ones who are that extreme, and that's the attack against the extremists. They're the ones who, like lambs to the slaughter, aren't going to open up their mouth. And it doesn't matter whether they're right or they're wrong. They've decided that in the end, Jesus died an innocent man, and I'm willing to walk the path of Jesus. So all my words and all my justification may, may win me out and justify myself but I never learned to live like Jesus because if Christ is for me who can be against me and if I was to say whatever in the end I'm going to be where God wants me to be that's why Jesus when he stood before Pilate he says, don't you know don't you know I have the power to free you don't you know and Jesus didn't speak he was wondering why aren't you talking to me I have the power to free you and Jesus just wanted to make a note and says, the only power you have is what was given to you. That's, you don't realize that all this is in the power of God. This is the Christian. The Christian has their faith and hope so much in the power of Jesus Christ that circumstances of life, situations of life, devastations of life, persecutions of life, they all know that they come down from heaven. And anything that comes down from heaven, the Bible says, is good. Good. Whatever circumstance, whatever situation, if you embed your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, it will work for good, no matter what it is, no matter what it looks like to you. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is my salvation. Now look at two, two verses I want to share with you here so that you understand the heart and spirit of Paul. Just two verses. Look. Turn with me, 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 22. 
to the weak became I as weak that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men that I might by all means save some. Look at the heart of Paul. This is one principle or philosophy if you want to live serious. I'm talking to those who are serious about their faith. They want to live the way Christ wants them to live. Paul's desire was no other desire than this, to save people. And I believe this is the heart of Jesus Christ, the, the core of Jesus Christ, and it is the spirit of every, every single Christian. Did you know that? Did you know? The spirit of God isn't divided. Like the, the same spirit that was in Christ, the same spirit that was in Paul, is the same spirit that's in us. And the spirit of Christ compelled Paul to do or have no other desire than to save some. Listen, to the point where he says that to the weak I become as weak. Listen, that I may gain the weak. I am made all things to all men that I might by all means save some. So what Paul is saying is this. He's saying, I don't have a life. I don't have a life. To the strong, I adapt. I become strong. To the weak, I adapt. I become weak. To the foolish, I become a fool. To the wise one, I appear wise. I I do what I need to do because I don't have a life. Because my life is embedded and invested in the souls of people. Because if I can meet you and be where you are to save you, I'll do that. That's, that's the desire of Paul. Now, you know, if you live like this, honestly, I'm telling you the, the secret of, of Christian life. If you live like this, you'll be very happy. When you stop living for yourself and you start living just for the sake of one soul, and you start looking at people as their living souls, you'll be very happy. Because you won't look at their frown or their face and their expression and interpret that as something against you. Why are they looking at me like that? Wait, wait, wait. You don't look like, you, don't, you stop looking at people like that. It's not personal. You start knowing that, hey, there's a spiritual warfare after the souls of men. And that person's acting like that, and, and it is like that because basically the attack is on. But I'm only interested in their soul. I'm not interested in what they think of me. I'm not interested whether they like me or don't like me. I'm interested in their soul, and I'm going to meet them where they are. I'm going to be where they are. Are they, are they, are they broken? Well, I'm going to come broken with them. Because I don't, do they, are they angry and aggressive? Well, I'm going to come with them. Where, where, where they are, I'm going to be. Do they hate me? Well, I don't care. I'm going to bring their soul to salvation. That's what Paul says. I'm all things to all men. Imagine if we lived like that as Christians. How awesome, right? How peaceful, yeah? I mean, I don't know whether that excites you, it excites me. Like, maybe it doesn't excite you because some of you still want to be better or greater or, or, or deserve more than most. But when you have the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God says, mate, listen, you really want to be happy, you really want to be content, leave it all, let it go, and focus on what is important the souls of men your soul your wife's soul your children's soul the souls of men and at all cost at all cost whatever it is i'm out to save souls that's paul listen to another principle here so this one was all things to all men but look at first corinthians chapter 10 verse 31 to 33 first corinthians chapter 10 verse 31 to 33 
Paul goes on to say in verse 31, whether therefore you eat or you drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God, giving none offense, neither to the Jew nor to the Gentile nor to the church of God. Listen to this. Even as I please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many that they may be saved. This guy has mastered life. Did you know that? Power, popularity, money don't touch him. He's mastered life. Any man who can adapt and be all things to anyone and everyone for one vision, and that vision does not belong to anything on the earth, it's eternal, has mastered this world. Nothing penetrates that person because Everything that penetrates him that is of this world becomes like a ping pong off. Ding, ding. It, it goes to hit and it just flies. It doesn't penetrate because that's not their home. Your house burns down. It burns down. It's not my, I'm not living here forever. Someone spits in your face. Well, I got spitting in your face again. So, <laughs> someone, someone, someone says something to you. Who am I? Paul says, in me dwells no good thing. Like, you're only telling me, really, what Paul told me. So, it becomes like darts without a, a sharp. It, it, it just it flies off. Because my home is eternal, my, my mission is eternal, my, my, my heart is eternal, everything, my soul is embedded in the kingdom. This is not my home. So, for Paul, it's quite simple. He says, whatever I eat or whatever I drink, I do it because to glorify God. That's why, I, that's why I do it. And I don't give offense to anyone. I don't go about offending people. You know, the only thing that offends people is the Word of God. But personally, I don't care whether someone doesn't have the same opinion as me. And if someone doesn't have the same opinion as me, that's cool. Have your opinion. That's not, I don't care. It's not going to. But my, my stumbling block or my rock of offense is going to be the Lord Jesus Christ. You're not going to like me because I love Jesus. You're only going to love me because you love Jesus. And he says that to the Jew, whether they're Jewish or whether they're Gentiles or even to the church of God. Because even as I please, listen, even as I please men in all things. So one, all things, he's all things to all men and he pleases men in all things. That's his, that's his philosophy. Why? Why are you doing this, Paul? So that you can gain popularity? So that people can like you? So you can have your numbers, like your church, really big? So that everyone can say, well, what a great preacher. What a no. How vain. Like, who cares if people are going to say how good you are, Harb, over 100 years? You know, only 100 years. I'm going to live eternity forever. What, what's 100 years cost in light of eternity? The souls of men is more vital and more valuable than any pride of man. This is Paul. It's awesome. If you have the Spirit of God and you submit yourself to the Spirit of God like Paul did, I'm telling you, we all become like Paul. People look at Paul and say, uh, and, and the biggest lie, oh, but that's Paul. That's Paul. God used Paul. Paul was a man. Paul said, be a follower of me as I follow Christ. So if he can do it in Paul, why can't he do it in you? Why can't he? 
give me one theological uh, debate, like throw something at me. Why can't he do it through you if he could do it in Paul? Okay, well, I don't know, I don't know, mad Paul. Okay, well, look at Peter then. And look at the other apostles, and look at other great men. Okay, well, I don't know, they're, they're, they're in the Bible, so that makes them more holier. Well, then look at through history then. Look at, the, the, look at Wesley and all these other great men. If he could do it through them, why can't he do it through you? I'll tell you the distinction, the difference is this. These men were infused and infused by the souls of other men. For them, the soul was so precious that it cost them their life. They had the spirit of Jesus who said that one soul that went astray is as vital, as important as though I had a church of a thousand people. That one soul. And it was this, this, this passion, this thing here that basically said, I give up my life. And when Jesus says, no greater love has any man than lay down his life, I understand that now. Yep, that's what it means. For that one soul, I'll, I'll, I'll become all things to all men. I don't want to offend you by my opinion. My opinion doesn't matter. But listen, Jesus Christ, let him, be, let him offend you. <laughs> let him be the, but whether you like what I like, you don't like what I don't like, that's cool, man. I'm not, I, that's awesome that you do that. I'm all things to you. And yeah, are you, are you needing something? Yeah, I'm there. I just care about your soul. Once we care about any other thing, we've lost it. Division, bickering, jealousy, envy, backbiting, because we care about other things. That person that backbites you, that person that hates you and talks about you, they're a living soul. Listen. They're the ones who were sitting next to Paul and Paul had just slaughtered her husband. And when she understands that Paul is just as much a soul that is eternal than her very own husband and he's worth the weight no matter what he did and where he's at, it's just as valuable. You're able to forgive all men. That person that who backbites you or whatever, you can look at them and say, I want to help. I want to save you because I know backbiting is a reflection that you are distant from God. So rather than fighting back, you look at them as a living soul and I become all things to... I'll take that jab. I'll take that, that slap. I'll take it if I can save your soul. This is the spirit of Paul. This is what Paul is saying to the church this is the heart of Christianity. Even Paul, I'll tell you just before I finish, even Paul said that there are some of you who are preaching to increase my chains, to keep me further in bondage. Because at that time, everybody was upset Paul. Some people didn't like Paul because he was preaching the gospel. And some went out to further his chains, to keep him further bound. So they'd go out and they could be lying. Oh, Paul said this and Paul preached this and, and Paul preaches that. And Paul says, I don't care. I don't care. Like, I don't care if you want to use me and keep me further bound than chained as long as the gospel is continued to preach. So it's like Paul, like people say, did you know Paul said Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life? And Paul's saying, Awesome. <laughs> Awesome, they got to hear Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Did you know Paul said that there's only one way to the Father, but that's through the Son, Jesus Christ? Yep, that's what Paul said. <gasps> Did he? Let's go get Paul. And Paul, they're coming for Paul, and Paul's thinking, awesome. They got to hear that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. That's the heart of Paul. That was Paul. And I want, do you look at Paul and go, that's just, no, Paul is a Christian. 
Paul is a, a representation of the Christian faith. That's why Paul confidently says, follow me like I follow Christ. Because if you follow me, imitate me, you're doing what Jesus wants you to do. And that's what every Christian should be saying. We all should be saying, I should be saying it to you. Follow me, do what I'm doing. That should inspire you. Not like, oh man, look, don't do what I say. Look, don't do what I'm saying. I know it's hard. Look, we, don't, we never get there in the end. Oh, look, woe unto us and this is how it is. That's not hope. That's not faith. Faith says, no, look, follow me, brother. Look, do what I do, brother. Listen, the other day a guy came and he stole my money and I put my hand in my other pocket and I had more money and I said, here, I have this as well. Well, you did that. I did that, brother. Just do that. That's, that's, that. Do that. That's what we should be doing. That's what Jesus does. Hey, brother, someone came the other day and he wanted my jacket. I gave him all my closet. Someone the other day, uh, I lost uh, uh, $100. Thank God, praise the Lord, because there's someone out there who needs the $100. And God used me to give him that money. That's the Christian life. That's, that's life. That's freedom. I don't know, is it not? Let me finish with this. Uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 11. Philippians chapter 4, verse 11. Why is Paul radically obsessed? And how can someone fulfill such righteousness, such holiness? Well, the secret's here. Philippians chapter 4, verse 11. He says this. He says, not that I, resp I speak in respect of want, for I've learned in whatever state I am therewith to be content. He says, look, when I ask you for something, it's not because I ask you because I need it. I don't need it. Because <laughs> I've learned to be happy in everything. I don't need anything. It's the Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It's the heart of, of Christian. We should never be found lacking in Christ. Paul says, when I ask for something, I'm not asking because I need it. I don't need it. Whether I'm hungry, I will learn to be happy in hunger. If I'm thirsty, I've already learned to be happy in my thirst. If I have no money, it doesn't do anything for me. I've learned to be happy without money. That's Paul. He goes, but why I, I ask you to give for your sake? So that you learn what it is to give. I'm not asking you for me. This is the, this is the master, mastering your own soul, isn't it? The Christian life is beautiful because of this. Christ, when you accept him into your life, he becomes everything. And when he is everything, listen, only when he is everything, he becomes enough. But when he isn't everything, he's never enough. And when he is everything and he becomes enough, you become content in whatever state you're in. Do you understand? This is freedom. This is what we call the gospel, the good news. This is why it's the good news. Because while you're chasing the world of shadows, you never get to grasp anything. But Jesus Christ says to you, I can make you content. All you who hunger and thirst, come, I will fill you. Come, taste and see that the Lord is good. He will fulfill you. Not your husband, not your wife, not your children, not your money, not your business. Jesus Christ come and experience the happiest poverty 
you can ever experience. The richest of being poor than you can ever feel. You understand? This is Paul. Paul says this, let me finish with this verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. In every way, I was a kid. In every way, I was a kid. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. I was telling the men at the camp that I see kids in the schoolyard. I see how they act. I see how they respond. And most people don't grow out of that. We're still children. She said this about me. What did she say? She said she didn't like my hair. It doesn't change. You know? Or he did this. He, 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 you know, he, it doesn't change. Paul says, when I was a kid, I acted like a kid. I thought like a kid. I understood things like a kid. But when I became a man, and what he's saying is that when I came to the fullness of Jesus Christ, the man, all these childish things I put away. They became insignificant. They're not important. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Whatever the Lord has spoken to you this morning, I encourage you to respond. I encourage you to respond to His voice. Listen, God's words are very precious. They're gold. You know? and, and if He's given you gold, you're not going to reject it. You're not going to cast it away from you. You're going to say, thank you, Lord God. This is, this is for the benefit of my faith. And I ask you, Lord God, that what you're speaking to me about, that you would grant me the grace and the strength to do and perform. And you can believe by faith that whatever God has spoken to you about, that you can put your trust in Him and He will see it through. You don't need to fear God. If God is saying to you, leave everything, follow me. Leave it and pursue those things that are eternal. You can trust Him. Leave your desires, your, what you think is important, leave it all. Unforgiveness, bitterness, anger, leave it all. Jealousy, envy, leave it all. And trust in the Lord Jesus Christ who calls you and grants you the power, the freedom by His grace. Father in heaven, I thank you, Lord God, that you are God and not man. You know the hearts and thoughts of people, Lord God. You know where people are and you know how to deliver them. You became all things for us. You came down from heaven and you dwelt amongst us, among dirt and dust. And you ask us to do the same as we see in Paul, Lord God, to be all things to all men for the sake of souls. Lord God, give us wisdom and understanding, Father, that to walk after you is eternal life. To know you is eternal life. To live you is eternal life. I pray for every head bowed before you, Father, that you would continue to knock at the door of their heart, convicting, convict them of those things that are not God-honoring. I pray, Lord Jesus Christ, that you would continue to lead us and remind us over the week those things that we've heard this morning. 
and those things that we've committed ourselves to this morning, Lord God. And that we can walk believing in what we've prayed and what we've said before you this morning. It shall be done. By faith, we ask this in Jesus' name.